The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available Pro-Access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Little smorgasbord today. Time Suckers first half of the show dedicated to two more tales of people who didn't let a tough hand being dealt their way cause them to walk away from the table of the game we call life. Second half dedicated to a year-end review of Time Suck, the, the journey of the suck, and, and a look to the future of what we kind of hope to do here going forward. Uh, first inspirational tale is uh, Nick Vojcic, a man I, I actually saw just last week uh, as of this recording. Saw him at LAX down in Los Angeles. I was, I was arriving. He was flying out. Uh, didn't say hi. I, I didn't want to bother him. Uh, I'd met him once before in Orlando, Florida. He was advertising a motivational speaking engagement in town there on a local rock station, Monsters Rock, right before I walked in to uh, advertise shows at the Orlando Improv. And when I saw him, I was stunned. Handsome, fit-looking dude, sitting slash standing in a wheelchair with no legs or arms. Uh, the combination of his fit, nothing visually abnormal, head and torso, uh, combined with no limbs, just threw my brain for a loop. Like, he, he, he looked surreal to me. He looked as if some leading man type actor or athlete had had somebody uh, cut their legs and arms off but leave them otherwise completely unscathed. Uh, racked my brain trying to think of what type of accident could leave someone with that type of, of damage. Uh, no accident. Nick was born that way. He was born with Tetra Amelia syndrome, and he uh, now has a, a loving wife, four kids. He wrote a book in 2010 called Life Without Limits, inspiration of a ridiculously good life. He's a self-made millionaire, motivational speaker, evangelist. He's, he's pretty damn impressive. Fantastic story to get you revved up to kick 2019's Sassy pants ass. Uh, we'll also be talking about Bethany Hamilton, who I'll admit, early in my stand-up career, I made some, uh, I'm sure, tasteless jokes about uh, her. I don't remember exactly what they were. Uh, I didn't initially think it was inspiring that some girl who'd lost an arm in a shark attack while surfing continued to surf. I thought it was stubbornly stupid. I feel differently now. Uh, this gorgeous and tough as shit married mother of two pro surfer not only continued surfing after a shark bit her arm off when she was just 13, 
She went pro a few years after the attack, won numerous tournaments. She continues to surf, raise her kids, give money to charity, share her motivational story, and much more. And I'm going to get down, and I'm going to suck her off. I'm going to suck her so hard, and while I'm down there, I'm going to suck Nick. I'm going to suck Nick. I'm going to suck Bethany. Uh, and then I'm going to hit the second half of the show and fill you in on lots of behind-the-scenes details of what's uh, happened here with the suck in 2018, what we hope to happen in 2019, triumph, tragedy, a peek behind the suck dungeon curtain, all of that today on Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy New Year's Eve, suckers. Can it be? The last day of 2018. Odds are you're hearing this in 2019, but it drops 2018, the very end. How'd your year wrap up? How's next year looking? I'm Dan Cummins, Suck Nasty, Sucknator, Suck Master Supreme, the head hoover, the master sucker, and you are listening to Time Suck. You are now part of the cult of the curious. Praise Bojangles. Hail Nimrod. Pra- Hail Lucifina. Praise Triple M. D- not praising Chikatilo or Chicken Joe. Yeah, praise uh, Pootie and Juju. Not not praising the uh, the Roanoke recluse crazy eye, eye attacking spider. Nope. Not pra- uh, not praising Woody. Whee! Get out of here. No. Uh, check the website, dancummins.tv, for the happy murder tour dates. So, so many. So very many. Uh, follow me at, at Dan Cummins, uh Comedy on Instagram and Facebook for tour updates. Working on a Chicago uh, uh, date. Maybe just one night, a little theater, the way it's looking. Possibly one night in Asheville, North Carolina. Possibly. And then and then the dance card, the stand-up dance card is pretty much full. And then I got to figure certain markets we're doing live uh, time sucks in. I'll announce what topic that's going to be soon. And then also, uh, you know, um, figuring out exactly, you know, how many maybe more markets we can kind of add the live time suck to that I'm already heading towards or going to be performing at. Uh, so, yes. So, please just check the website again, dancummins.tv for all that. Uh, New Jersey, Rhode Island, New York, Connecticut, coming up soon. And, and before all that, come to the Croc Center in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, right where the Suck Dungeon is, right where I'm recording with Joe motherfucking Paisley, the Reverend Doctor. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, January 12th, doing a TEDx talk, uh, working hard on it. Got a, got a lot more work to do, but I'll have it ready. I'll have it ready. I'll have good nerves and, uh, and hopefully give a, a nice little motivational speech of my own. That's, that's, that's the plan for January 12th. I'll have a link in the episode description for ticket info. A uh, couple tales of, a, of overcoming adversary, adversity. My God. And then a, a year-end wrap-up and review uh, and a look to 2019, the future of the suck. Let's, let's talk about not letting life hold you back. Let's talk about Nick Vojcic. All right, this dude. Holy shit. Uh, I ended up staying up way later than I needed to last night because I couldn't stop watching uh, this guy's videos on YouTube. Just, I mean, my God, maybe, maybe the most inspiring videos I have ever seen in my life. Seriously. And when, I, and when I met this guy, too, just like the charisma coming off this guy, just like in waves, uh, so personable, kind of hard to explain almost. You know, we've talked about a lot of cults uh, on Time Suck. If I had to... to to follow like a cult leader, if Nick was, you know, if he started one, I'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll think about it. You seem like you got, you got, you got good juju around you. Um, yeah. So first a little bit about his life and then we get to, uh, you know, hear a little bit from the source, hear a little bit from him. On December 4th, 1982, Serbian immigrants, Dusanka and Boroslav 
Vojcic welcomed their first child into the world in Melbourne, Australia, Nicholas James Vojcic. Uh, Nick was born healthy in every aspect other than being born with an extremely rare condition, this uh, autosomal um, recessive tetra amelia, this, uh, this, this rare syndrome where, where a child is born with no limbs at all except uh, feet with just two toes on each of the feet, uh, f- more like a foot-like appendage, uh, toes fused together. Now, this condition only occurs in roughly one out of every 71,000 pregnancies, so very rare. And in many cases, other areas of the body are also affected by malformations, such as the face, skull, reproductive organs, heart, nervous system, anus, pelvis. Uh, In many cases, the lungs are severely underdeveloped, which makes breathing difficult or impossible. Because children with uh, tetramelia syndrome have such serious medical problems, most are stillborn. Most most die, uh, you know, are either dead at birth or die shortly after birth. But in exceptionally rare cases, very rare cases, some people are born totally healthy outside of the absence of limbs and suffer no abnormalities or deformations uh, above their feet. It, it, this, uh, this whole thing is caused by an abnormality in the WNT3 gene, a protein involved in, amongst other things, the regulation of cell fate and patterning during embryogenesis. Or embryogenesis. That's probably better. Embryogenesis. Uh, It's amazing how many things have to go right for somebody to be born totally healthy. Like all these little things where things go wrong. And for the overwhelming majority of us meat sacks, it all all works out pretty well. Uh, Amazing every time it happens. There hasn't been a lot of studies done on what what can cause this gene to malfunction. Early studies indicate a strong correlation with overly processed peanut butter consumption. I know a lot of people are very concerned about like, you know, processed foods in our country and in the world and and the health ramifications of that. I mean, there seems to be something to that in certain cases. Number of studies coming out this year are linking pregnant mothers eating processed peanut butter during the first uh, and or second trimesters to a number of birth defects, uh, including the one you know that, that Nick was uh, born with, and also including the increasingly common, uh, prior to the, la- the most recent generation, very, very, very rare, uh, skeletoxinesis. And now this is when bones appear on the surface of the skin. And, and the muscles and circulatory system and nerves are actually inside of the bones where marrow normally would be. It's a very abnormal kind of bone structure. Uh, think of an ant with an exoskeleton. Uh, well, there now are kind of like these ant kids. Like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen an ant kid. It's more and more kids are being born looking ant-like, looking kind of ant- or, or wasp-like. Like if you've seen a yellow jacket. Uh, and it's all related to processed peanut butter, especially nutter butters. Uh, if you eat nothing but nutter butters for the duration of the second trimester, there's no fucking way you're not having an ant baby. And is anyone is anyone still believing me at this point? Is like anyone at all? Uh, God, just let there be one of you who is super worried about how many nutter butters they've eaten, and they're like, "Oh, I'm gonna have an ant baby. I'm gonna have an ant baby now. I'm gonna have a baby ant." Uh, no one has any idea uh, what what causes the gene to malfunction. Uh, just like no doctors fully understand why I get off on messing with and needlessly harassing the very people who uh, let me do this for a career. Uh, I don't know. Researchers have determined the defects take place between 24 and 36 days after fertilization due to uh, cessation of development of limb buds because of an unidentified cause. So the little limb buds are formed and then they don't form the full way and they don't sprout the limbs. Uh, it's also inherited. Both of your parents have to have the same recessive gene. Uh, they have to both be genetic carriers for you to be born with this syndrome. But not every kid whose parents have these recessive genes will be born this way. Uh, all that uh, all that genome, all that 
heavy genome research, just genomes being unlocked, giving us new insights and all the genome traits passing on through genome genetics. And I do know it's genome. I didn't know that two years ago, but I know now. Hail Nimrod! Uh, Nick recounts the circumstances of his birth in his inspirational book that features a lot of autobiographical passages. Yeah, it's called Life Without Limits, Inspiration for a Ridiculously Good Life. Uh, he says that two ultrasounds were performed during his mother's pregnancy with him, and the doctors detected nothing unusual. So neither she nor his father had any time to emotionally prepare for the circumstances of Nick's birth. Uh, doctors told his parents that their baby was a boy, but not a word about missing lum- limbs. So, so why didn't they see? Uh, why didn't they see the limbs? You know, I I feel like you know you know what that means. Uh, huge pain, huge pain. Uh, probably just you know probably his limbs were just hiding behind a walrus weenus. Maybe he has a big weenus. He doesn't address it in any of his speeches. Uh, when he was born, the first question his mom asked the doctor was, "Is the baby all right?" Silence. Not what you want to hear as a parent. Uh, as the seconds tick by. No one brings the baby over for her to see. Uh, his mom knows something's wrong. Instead of giving Nick to his mother to hold, uh, they bring in a, a pediatrician, and, uh, and and the pediatrician and the staff already there move off to the opposite corner, uh, examining little Nick, speaking with each other in hushed tones. When his mom uh, hears a big, healthy baby scream, she's relieved initially, but then Nick's dad, who noticed Nick was missing an arm during the delivery, uh, started feeling queasy, was escorted out of the room. Shocked at the sight of Nick, the nurses and doctors quickly wrap him up. Nick's mother, who had participated in hundreds of deliveries as a nurse, she was a nurse herself, uh, demanded to know what's wrong with my baby. When she was told the truth, she couldn't accept it, did not believe the doctors and nurses. Uh, when the pediatrician came out to speak to Nick's dad, he cried out, my son, he has no arm. And the pediatrician, as delicately as he could, told him, your son has neither arms nor legs. And then Nick's father uh, kind of became hysterical and, w- and went into shock. Uh, he rushed in. He kind of got a hold of himself uh, to tell his wife, found her lying in bed. She's crying. Staff had already told her. Uh, they offered to bring Nick to her, uh, but she refused and told them to take uh, take Nick away. The nurses were crying. The, the midwife was crying. Baby Nick was crying. Everybody's crying. Uh, when they sat next, next to his mother later, she said, take him away. I don't want to touch him or see him. Instead of celebrating his birth, Nick's parents mourned his arrival into the world. Man, can you imagine that? That's a story of your birth devastating your parents, you know, making everyone in the delivery room just weep. I mean, outside of just dying right away, I don't I don't know that life starts off uh, much worse than that. You know, I, I mean, I'd like to think that I wouldn't react that way, but I guess you never know, truly, until it happens. You know, I was present for the birth of both my kids. First thing I, I, I actually did was, you know, was count their fingers and toes. It sounds silly, uh, but I feel like it's almost instinctive. You know, you immediately just kind of scan them to see if they appear healthy or not. Probably is instinctive. Uh, I can't imagine the shock if no ultrasounds had prepared you of seeing your little baby boy or girl come out, you know, uh, not just missing the full set of 10 fingers or 10 toes, but but missing like the whole set of limbs. No arms or no legs. I mean, it it would be very, very shocking. You know, when Kyler Monroe were born, you know, uh, neither of them had any health problems. Super lucky. I mean, both of them, to be uh, totally transparent, both of them were exceptionally ugly, like exceptionally physically, I would say, uh, strong word, I would say repulsive. And it, and that was disappointing. Yeah, that was disappointing, a human being, you know, and it, and it still is. They're still very unattractive, uh, but I love them. You know, I mean, sometimes I daydream about how much more I could love like an attractive child, you know? Like if I, if I had good love, like good looking kids, I do think I would love them more. I think I'd just feel more pride and uh, and I would just kind of gaze lovingly upon them. I mean, I don't know, 20% more, 30% more, it's hard to say. But, 
you know, you know, you play the hand you're dealt. And I was dealt a pair of two little fucking gremlins who, uh, you know, it looked like they were just stuffed in sacks and just beaten with clubs on a, on a daily or at least weekly basis for several years. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If anything, they're, they're too good looking. Uh, they're just, they're not good people, but they're good looking. Physically, they're good. Spiritually, whew, I don't know. I don't know. I worry. Cruel, uh, gross. Uh, kidding again. Kidding again. They're only dickheads sometimes. I mean, Monroe's good. Monroe uh, refuses to smile nice for most pictures, which can be uh, irritating. Uh, she's gotten a lot better uh, than when she was little, littler, uh, when she was younger, as far as, uh, you know, behavior. Uh, she she does uh, fart, I feel like, a, like more than average and will not own up to it, which is, it can be irritating, like during movie nights with the family. Uh, Kyler, Kyler cheats at board games, which, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to curb him of that. And uh, and his feet, his feet smell like like they smell like a gang of carnies, all use the same exact dead skunk uh, for toilet paper after a chili and deviled egg eating contest. Other than that, pretty good. Uh, Nick said he actually learned about the circumstances of his birth when he was thirteen. He had a rough day at school in Brisbane, uh, where his family had moved, and he complained to his mom about how sick he was about being teased for not having arms or legs. He asked his parents. Um, about their reaction to his birth. They told him the truth. Uh, shortly after his birth, they did accept the reality of their situation and, and they loved the shit out of him and, and do till this day. He has nothing but, you know, glowing things to say about his his parents, you know, as far as his upbringing. Uh, Dusanka and Borislav, uh, they had two more kids, a boy and a girl, both born with uh, no physical abnormalities. Uh, Nick said his brother and sister had a, uh, and a variety of cousins who grew up in the same uh, neighborhood, never let him feel sorry for himself. They never coddled him. Uh, you know, they accepted him for who, for who he was, that they also toughened him up with their teasing and pranks so that uh, he could find humor instead of bitterness in his circumstances. Uh, like there's one story he said where his uh, his cousins would uh, scream from across the shopping mall while pointing to him, look at that kid in the wheelchair. He's an alien. What's wrong with him? <laughs> and they would just laugh hysterically at the reactions from strangers who had no idea that the kids picking on this disabled boy were actually his strongest allies and biggest supporters. And I, and I love this. I love the power of having a sense of humor about something like this. You ever met somebody who just wallows in self-pity no matter how their life is going? All they focus on is the bad parts. You know, their boss is a dick. Uh, they can't ever date anyone nice. They can't ever catch a break. They got the worst luck. You know, the car broke down again. Uh, never mind the fact that they, you know, skipped three oil changes. Uh, their friends won't call them back, you know, because they harass them too much on, via text. Uh, they don't have enough money for this car or that vacation or this concert, even though, you know, so-and-so's going and, and that person doesn't work half as hard as them and their parents buy them everything. Uh, if you're one of those people who just always complains, just always feels like the world is, is always against you, listen up. And I mean this in the nicest, most caring way possible. Shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Like for real. No one cares about your petty, inconsequential bullshit. Put on your big girl panties or your big boy undies and keep that shit to yourself. Soldier up, right? Stop perpetuating your own negative reality by continually giving a voice to every little whiny thought that passes through your self-indulgent head. You know, every once in a while, sure, vent, absolutely. But the rest of the time, uh, learn how to either not talk about that shit or laugh it off. I've never been able to tolerate Debbie Downers because I've met too many uh, Nick Voyages. You know, I've met too many people with significant disabilities who never complain about them, uh, you know, to handle anyone whose life is just uh, fine uh, complaining about shit constantly. I, you know, I get mad at myself for complaining. Oh, you work a lot of hours making a nice living doing what you love. 
You poor baby. Shut the fuck up, me. Um, yeah, there was a guy I went to college with. This guy, uh, Brian. It's been so many years. I forget his last name. Me and my ex-wife, uh, Heather, used to hang out with him sometimes. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned him on the on Time Sucker, the Secret Suck before. But this guy, good-looking dude, very intelligent dude. He was, he was getting a master's, I believe, in philosophy. No, it was philosophy or theology when I was getting my undergrad. Uh, met him senior year, had a, had a class or two with him. And he was a quadriplegic, and he, and he wasn't a quadriplegic like four years prior. He was an undergrad at Boston University. He was wrestling with a friend, just like I wrestled with a lot of my friends back in college doing stupid shit. He got a pile drive, essentially, and it broke his neck. And he's, he'll be paralyzed from the neck down for the rest of his life. And uh, and this had only happened a few years before. And he had the best outlook, the best disposition, cool ass dude. Um, man, you know when, when you when you when you're around somebody like that, it's so cool and just uh, has has made peace and, and accepted their situation. You feel like a real asshole complaining about most of what you complained about before. Um, yeah, but I just admire someone who can laugh at something as heavy as not even not even having arms or legs. How powerful is that? You know, just that attitude of like, fuck you, world. You're not going to give me legs? Uh, fine. You're not going to give me, uh, uh, you know, fists? I'll still, I'll still figure out a way how to, how to punch and kick your ass. You know, I'm still going to live life to the fullest. No, no arms to hold anybody with. You watch. I'll still find love. I'll get married. I'll have kids. I will go full Matthew Wilder on this world. You remember Matthew Wilder? Ain't nobody going to break my stride. Nobody going to slow me down. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. Ain't nothing going to break my stride. I'm running and I won't touch ground. Oh, no, I got to keep on moving. It's not just Triple M. I can sing all kinds of sweet cheese. I'm like a sweet cheese jukebox. It's not like Nick always laughed everything off, though. He, you know, he's, uh, he's not Superman. He had a rough time during his preteen years when everyone is trying to figure out who they are, where they fit in. Uh, classmates would hurt his feelings even when they weren't trying to be cruel. They were just bluntly curious, as kids are, asking stuff like, why don't you have arms and legs? You know, just asking that stuff all the time. Nick's desire to fit in was the same as it is for any kid. You know, on his good days, he'd, he'd win over his classmates with his wit and a willingness to kind of poke fun at himself. On his bad days, uh, you know, he'd hide behind the shrubs uh, or hide in empty classrooms just to avoid being openly mocked. Kids are dicks, man. Kids are dicks. Anyone who's either seen a kid or was a kid uh, knows that. Just, just a few months ago, I was down in Boise, Idaho, visiting my sister, my five-year-old niece, Eleanor, Birdie. Birdie asked me if I was uh, if I was strong. So I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of strong. You know, I thought I thought you know I would impress a five-year-old. She asked me to feel my biceps, so I you know I flexed, and she's like, I want to feel my biceps. And then she looked at me, totally matter-of-factly, and just said, No. She's like, like she was disappointed. She just goes, nah, you're weak. <laughs> and then she just sat and stared at me. And then she asked me, she goes, why do you have a long head? And then she asked me why I have a tiny mouth <laughs> on a long head. And she fucking nailed it. She nailed it. Uh, I haven't worked out, you know, uh, enough in the past year. My muscles are, are much softer than they were. And I do have a long head. I do have a long, I have a big, long head and I have a tiny mouth. Uh, but what a little asshole for pointing all of that out. But now imagine like what kids must say when you don't have arms or legs, you know, I'm sure it was just brutal. I mean, I remember an entire series of jokes related to people with no arms or legs when I was back in grade school in Riggins, Idaho. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, I don't know if those made it through different generations. Uh, I haven't thought about these before this episode in years, but they were all the rage in about, for me, I would say fourth, fifth grade. 
You know, what, what do you call a guy with no arms or, or no legs who likes to go water skiing? Skip. What do you call a guy with no arms, no legs waiting outside your front door? Matt. What do you call a guy with no arms, no legs hanging on the wall? Art. On and on and on. Uh, I think those are actually on some Garbage Pail Kids cards as well, some of those ones. And I'd never seen anything, uh, or, I mean, anyone like that. You know, those jokes are prob- probably still killing it on a playground somewhere. Uh, when Nick hit junior high, he started having some pretty dark thoughts. Uh, he actually did uh, attempt suicide once at 10 years old. You know, he got uh, really depressed. Thank God it, it didn't, uh, it didn't, didn't go through. He didn't go through with it or, you know, didn't, wasn't successful. Um, but he started having, you know, more dark thoughts about his future. Started thinking stuff like, I'll never get a girl to love me. I don't even have arms to hold a girlfriend. How fucking sad is that? Uh, if I have children, I'll never be able to hold them either. What sort of job could I ever have? Who would hire me? For most jobs, they'd have to hire a second person just to help me do what I was supposed to do. Who would ever hire one uh, for the price of two? Went through a long bout of depression, more suicidal thoughts. You know, kids who didn't know him assumed he was uh, mentally as well as physically disabled. He was constantly dealing with that. Uh, rather than just be uh, pissed about the assumptions others made about him, uh, Nick, while he was in junior high, he, he decided to start challenging their assumptions. He, he started throwing himself into conversations with other kids, you know, just getting ahead of it. Just be like, yeah, I know. It's weird. Yeah, I got no arms. Just like, just like you know, t- taking that away from him. You know, we could feel the stares and, and just engaging in conversations and getting them to understand what had happened to him and getting them to understand that he wasn't really disabled. He could do so many different things. Uh, you know, other kids started, started uh, you know, befriending him. You know, he could, they could see that he could joke around about this and... Uh, you know, about how joke about how frustrating it was to live in a world made for arms and legs when you don't have either. He makes a name for himself at school, becomes popular, starts getting invited to speak at student group meetings, uh, and then at church youth groups. Nick is devoutly Christian, raised by a, a deeply religious family. He soon started getting invited to share his stories at teen, uh, you know, kind of Christian organizations. One day he found himself in front of 300 kids at a large Christian youth conference. A girl in the audience broke down sobbing, hearing his story, and asked if she could come give him a hug. It's the first time this had happened. Now he does this a lot at speaking engagements. Uh, when she did uh, give him a hug, everyone at the event started crying. And then Nick started crying himself when she whispered uh, the following words into his ear that he says he'll never forget. She whispered, nobody has ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. No one has ever said that they love me. You've changed my life and you are a beautiful person too. Up until that point, Nick was still constantly questioning his own self-worth he thought of himself as somebody who, you know, just simply gave little talks as a way of kind of reaching out to other teens. But when when she called him beautiful and made him uh, also realize that his speaking could help others like her feel beautiful as well, change his perspective. For the first time, he felt he had something really meaningful to do and a powerful message to share with the rest of the world. Just like that logo therapy I was talking about last week, man, his life had meaning, had hope. That hope Victor Frankl and Alex Lewis and Malvika Ayer talked about, that uh, that hope that he could change people's lives for the better, a reason to, to get out of bed in the morning. Nick even writes in his book, a life without meaning has no hope. Life without hope has no faith. If you find a way to contribute, you will find your meaning and hope and faith will naturally follow and accompany you into your future. When Nick references faith, he speaks of his Christian faith. Uh, but even a non-religious person like me, a skeptic, can have faith. You know, I have faith in somebody's uh, ability to influence the world around them for the better. I have faith that little positive actions can have a ripple effect, uh, a butterfly effect on the world, uh, create more positive change than you may have initially thought possible. I have faith in that mattering. 
enriching the human experience, even if it's just for one other person in one small way, I have faith that that has value. Uh, Nick also quotes Helen Keller as an inspiration to him. Uh, Future suck, by the way, Helen Keller. Fascinating tale. Uh, Helen lost her sight and hearing before the age of two, uh, but still became a world-renowned author and social activist. She once wrote that true happiness comes through fidelity to a worthy purpose. Be faithful to your talents. Use them for the most good possible. Then you will be happy. You good at plumbing? Then do a great job. You know, fixing people's pipes for a fair price. You're improving lives. A lot of value in that. A lot of value in that. You know, you, you good at keeping the assembly line moving? Odds are there are people who love whatever the hell you are help building. A lot of value in that. You know, you good at entertaining strangers with historical tales and lots of crude jokes, way too much profanity, far too many references to serial killers, especially Russian ones. There even is apparently value in that. Uh, Nick graduated from his high school as a valedictorian, then got a bachelor's degree from Brisbane, uh, Australia's Griffith University in accounting and financial planning. He graduated at the age of 21 in 2002, and then shortly after graduation, moved to Agora Hills in Southern California. Uh, 2005, Nick founded Life Without Limbs, an international nonprofit organization and ministry. In 2007, he founded Attitude is Altitude, a secular motivational speaking company. He met his wife, Kane uh, Mayahara, in Texas in 2008. They got married in 2012, have four kids now. Uh, I remember seeing her in Orlando when I met Nick uh, because she was stunning. Uh, she said she fell for Nick because of his generosity and humor and because he's really funny. And, and check th- this proposal puts all proposals to shame. Check out how he proposed her. He wanted to put the ring on her finger, but how do you do that when you don't have any hands and you don't have any arms? Uh, he just randomly asked her when the two of them were alone one day. I mean, not randomly. I mean, he had this plan seemingly randomly to her. Baby, can I kiss your hands? And, th- and then the ring was in his mouth. And he, and he put it all the way onto her finger with his tongue, <laughs> which is a whole nother impressive skill set. Uh, and she was like, what the hell's kind of going on? Like, why is he like this into my hand? It's a little weird. Uh, she had no idea what was actually going on until the ring was fully on her finger. And then obviously he lets, you know, her hand pop back out of his mouth and says, baby, I love you. Would you love to marry me and spend the rest of your life with me? And she started bawling and said, yes. Badass, man. And I was proud of myself for getting down on one knee. Ah. This guy, this guy's crushing me. This dude's slick as hell. Uh, when his wife was asked how they managed sexually in this uh, one uh, uh, little interview I found online, she said, quote, he's got everything he needs. I told you he had a big weenus. And after that ring trick, guessing his tongue is uh, impressive. I'm guessing it works in some magical ways. Um, and from everything I can tell, he makes a great living as an internationally performing uh, motivational speaker. I mean, he's, well, I mean, self-made millionaire. You know, I've seen that in numerous things. He's doing well. He's doing well, an evangelist, author. Uh, once you start bouncing around from one video to the next uh, about him on YouTube, you quickly see that this dude does not sit around feeling sorry for himself at all. He goes for it. He grabs life, you know, really, truly lives. Uh, I've watched videos of this guy. This is going to sound crazy when I, after describing his condition. Not making this up, I've watched videos of him uh, jumping off of a diving board, um, swimming in a pool, surfing, like for real catching waves and surfing. Uh, you know, he controls his own motorized wheelchair. He hops off it, scoots around. I watched a video of him uh, with drumsticks literally taped to his shoulders playing the drums pretty well, pretty well. Uh, he's amazing. I watched him skateboard. He gets on the skateboard, gets, gets, gets moving it, all of that himself. And if you're wondering how the, fu- how the hell does he do all this? Well, he, he had, he had two toes on one of his kind of foot-like appendages, uh, you know, separated 
uh, an operation when he was a kid because they're fused together. He had them separated, and then he, you know, he adapted to be able uh, to kind of use them like fingers, so he can grab things with them, and then and then use that foot uh, to to kind of like I don't know position himself and and move around. Uh, it's 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 kind of hard to figure out when you watch him how he does everything. Um, he has this insane torso control. Uh, he can kind of like he can kind of like whip his body up like uh and, and just bounce like when he when he his equivalent of walking it's all this like pelvic twisting so he's he's sh- he's kind of balanced on his hips and just shifting back and forth to scoot along the ground and then he can also literally kind of just jump even though he has no legs he can just do this this hop situation uh that I don't I don't understand the physics behind but I've seen him do it many occasions many videos uh and before we move on from him uh, listen to him, in his own words, share a little bit about his message. Life is life. Life is, is an interesting journey of ups and downs. But how that journey ends is up to you today. You see, when you fall down and you feel like giving up, when times get tough, it's not the end. The question is, are you going to finish strong? The definition of a disability wow. is something that will hinder you from being able to do something. I think though the greatest disability is not having no arms and no legs. The greatest disability is your mind, the choices that you make. The question is, are you going to make the right choices? Are you going to make the choice to have your life in its right perspective? Are you going to make the choice to get up instead of give up? Are you going to make the choice to dream big? There is no greater disability that we have in our life than to make the decision to give up. Because once you give up, then there is no hope. But until you give up, there is that hope. So true, man. Until you give up, there is that hope, man. That's that's what keeps me uh, keeps me going in life. You know, as I talked about again last week, that logo therapy, man. Look into the future. You know, uh, I've told you before on like old old episodes, the uh, the suck sucks itself way back. You know, I pitched a ton of projects. You know, pitched uh, went to a ton of auditions, and the overwhelming majority they, they didn't. You know. Didn't like, didn't like what I was doing. Didn't like what I was bringing. Did, didn't want me. And, and I've seen that in, you know, like, uh, you know, other, other comics let that kind of break them. And then they just kind of stop trying because they're afraid of rejection. But then if you, if you never even try, you'll definitely never get it. You know, if you're that worried about rejection, you know, uh, I mean, at, at least when I always feel my best is when I'm actually, when I'm trying, when I'm, when I'm attempting to improve my life for the better, you know, I realize I'm a realist that it may not work out, but it's not going to work. It's not going to not work out because I didn't give it a good go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been around so many comics over the years who just complain all the time about not getting this break, not getting this opportunity. They got ignored by this booker, you know, this casting director, this agent, this manager. They, they talk shit about other comics constantly. Why is this person getting this? They're not funny. I'm funnier than this person. You know, but what they don't do, uh, work on what they can control. What they don't do is actually work on writing new jokes, you know, work on making those jokes better, submitting new audition tapes, reintroducing themselves to managers. Uh, and I've gone through the woe is me phases too. And, and none of those phases ever brought me shit. Nothing good ever happened. Um, you know, e- even when nothing seemed to be working out, I was always trying to at least, you know, well, maybe I can write one more funny story, you know, work, work on getting better in some little way, you know, control what you can control. Nick is a fucking Jedi master of that. Uh, he has trained the most important muscle we possess, our brain, and just to a weapon 
of just perfection, man. He, you, can, you can tell he's, he's always working on something new. He watches videos. He's always taking on a new challenge. There's some short film he was in that won a bunch of awards where he's like, he's a great actor in it. Uh, it's about these like carnival sideshow performers. I mean, you know, no acting before that just crushes it. Um, and, that, and, that, and I'm sure he didn't just walk on set and make that happen. I'm sure he prepared, he studied, he trained. You know, and when you do that kind of stuff year after year, you may not be the most successful person in the world or even the most successful person on your fucking block. But you will for sure be 100% more successful than you would have been if you would have just sat around bitching. I was thinking about like, uh, like when you listen to like award acceptance uh, speeches, like uh, you never hear an acceptance speech delivered by somebody who you get the feeling they just sat around and just bitched. Like it's never like, like, hey, um, I'd like to thank my roommates for this Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, you know, for the last 10 years, I know I knew I should have won it. Um, you know, last 10 years, I honestly, I spent a lot of time watching, uh, whatever kind of popped up on TNT, like a lot of Netflix, you know, uh, played like Call of Duty, ordered a lot of pizza, drank a shit ton of Mountain Dew. And, you know, I would just be frustrated that other people were winning awards and shit. You know, I'd be like, I, I would be say so like, Todd, why is, why is that dickweed getting all those trophies and shit? I could have shit too. If I learned more math and shit, it's, no, it's easy, dude. That's easy, bro. And he'd be like, who the fuck even is Nobel? I don't even care about trophies. If I want a trophy, I could steal one from a trophy store. And then we would eat like more pizza and I'll be so mad. I'll be so mad that my dad, when he died, he, I mean, yeah, he left me the house and some money, but he didn't leave me all of the money. He left my brother Rick some of the money. Why did he get some? He has a job. That's dumb. That's dumb dad. And then one day the noble people called and they were like, you won. And I was like, fuck yeah. About time, motherfuckers. Uh, so I'd like to thank my fans. I'd like to say, fuck the haters. I'll be in room 317, the old Holiday Inn on Sullivan. If you want to come kick it at the after party, Little Caesars, Cold 45. I'll steal some lunch meat from the green room. Shit, yeah. <laughs> like that person, that person never wins anything. That person just says those kind of things until eventually they just die. Until they, they just get old and quiet or they just die. Uh, they don't make a lasting impression on anybody. And if you don't care about leaving an impression, that's fine. But, you know, then be happy. Don't even worry about it. But but if you but if you do want to leave an impression, you're like, why aren't, why aren't things working out for me? Are you working as hard as Nick? Are you working as hard as uh, Wojcic? I don't know. And then, you know, maybe ask yourself, you know, what would Nick do? And then you cut your goddamn arms and legs off. You go hard. That's not, that's probably not the message. That's probably not the message. I, I mean, I've missed something there. No, I think, I think Nick would say, you know, stop, stop making excuses. Take some action. Something like that. I have a feeling I'll be uh, thinking about him off and on for the next year when I, when I bitch about anything. So now uh, let's move on to our second and final inspirational tale uh, after, after a quick word from today's sponsor. Today's Time Suck is brought to you by Please, uh, people letting exoskeleton ant babies survive exceptionally. Uh, every year in America, four or five kids are born looking like a, either a big ant or a wasp. Mostly ants. Uh, like, like I would say four out of the five look like ants. All because their selfish mothers couldn't push away that jiffy. They had to have processed peanut butter. They had to eat some snack on some nutter butters. Yeah, it's tasty, but is it worth having an ant kid? Look, when you have an ant kid, uh, how, about, how about you help them not just survive, but how about you help them thrive? That's where Please comes in. Please takes your ant kids. Uh, and, and find suitable living conditions for them, like a, like a big tunnel or a giant dirt mound. Uh, please find suitable food for them, like sugar cubes, maybe some leaves, maybe a couple spiders. I'm not entirely sure what ant kids eat, but they know. So so please go to please.com. Uh, That's people letting exoskeleton ant babies survive exceptionally and make the world a better place for ant kids. And that's, uh, and that's not the real sponsor. Of course not. 
Uh, kidding. Uh, today, today's Time Suck is brought to you by a real sponsor. It's brought to you by the new book, Marvelous Light. Time Sucker, Cult of the Curious member, author Paul Frank Spencer, has written a new book called Marvelous Light. From By Grace for Glory Publishing comes a serious study of light, the light, the phenomena of light, light as man has understood it uh, for 3,000 years. You know, what does a study of light through the various lenses of modern physics, uh, classical philosophy, of uh, various world religions tell us? That light is at the core of our universe, that it's the center of our reality. In marvelous light, the reader will encounter questions such as, does Einsteinian relativity give evidence of heaven? Was Plato one of the many philosophers to affirm that light expresses the necessity of a divine source for the universe? Was string theory's understanding of existence preempted by the Judeo-Christian and Hindu creation stories? Marvelous light illustrates how some of history's most respected academic voices actually harmonize with uh, many of history's most respected theologians as well. So Marvelous Light by Paul Frank Spencer is available for purchase at all online retailers. It can be ordered through your local bookstore. For more information, go to bygraceforglorylit.com. That's B-Y-G-R-A-C-E-F-O-R-G-L-O-R-Y-L-I-T.com. Link for your convenience in today's episode description. Uh, really interesting merging of theology, philosophy, and science. Please check that out. Uh, now let's refresh the auditory palette with another little interlude. Bethany Hamilton, uh, born on February 8th, 1990 on the island of Kauai, Hawaii, to Tom and Sherry Hamilton. She has two older brothers, Noah and Timmy. Uh, Kauai, uh, one of my favorite places I've ever been to. So pretty, not too crowded, super cute little local towns, a lot, lot, of, lot of tasty shaved ice. A lot of wild chickens, not joking, a lot of wild chickens running around being goofy-looking chickens, and I do enjoy that. Also, I do enjoy that they have a lot of giant frogs that come out at night and just scare the shit out of Lindsay. Uh, she is so scared of frogs. Uh, did not know until we went to Kauai how deep the fear was. So I want to go back there, tropical paradise. Uh, Bethany's whole family loves surfing. Her parents began teaching her how to surf even before she turned five. Surfing's in her blood. She becomes fascinated with the sport from early on. Uh, her family, like Nick's, uh, also very religious, very devout Christians. Uh, in, in 1998, at only eight years old, she participated in her first real surf competition, Rel Sun Menahun Surfing Championship on Oahu, Hawaii. And she won both the short and long board divisions in her age group. Having tasted her first competitive success, uh, she was raring to become a professional competitive surfer. What the shit? Who competes in surfing at eight? I was, I was barely learning to swim at eight. I learned to swim in, a, in an above-ground pool, by the way. <laughs> I was still afraid to swim in a lake at eight years old. Uh, maybe my mom shouldn't have taught me to be afraid of almost everything. Maybe, uh, maybe don't do that. You know? maybe, there's, maybe, there's a lot of, uh, maybe she shouldn't have had, had a lot of messages like, don't do that, you'll drown. Don't do that, you can fall and break something. Don't go there, you'll get kidnapped. Don't eat that, you can choke. Mama is a worrier. Guessing Bethany's parents are a little more adventurous. Yeah, get on, go on. Get on out there with the sharks. You're eight. You're totally ready to face the monsters of the sea. Uh, when she was nine years old, she received her first major surf sponsorships. She's sponsored at nine years old from Rip Curl, Tim Carroll Surfboards. Over the next couple of years, she's steadily moving up the rankings in amateur surfing competitions by winning numerous events. Get out of here. Uh, when I was nine, I don't even think I combed my hair. Not, not joking. I don't think I ever combed my hair when I was nine years old. I would just go to school with however it looked when I woke up. Uh, when I was nine, I, I could ride my healthy bike around the block kind of fast. 
for a couple times around. Bethany was a wee bit more advanced uh, than me at night. Then on October 31st, 2003, Hamilton, age 13 at the time, went for a morning surf along Tunnels Beach, Kauai, with her best friend, model and pro surfer, Alana Blanchard. She was also surfing with Alana's father, Holt, and her brother, Byron. Around 7.30 a.m., she's lying on her surfboard with her left arm dangling in the water, right arms up there on the surfboard, when a 14-foot-long tiger shark attacks her, severing her arm just below the shoulder. And that is exactly why I do not surf on Halloween. That is the one day I will not surf. That and every other single day. Uh, The Blanchards helped paddle her back to shore. Uh, Then Alana's father fashioned a tourniquet out of a rash guard, wrapped it around the stump of her arm. I mean, this thing, I mean, it just, it took it. It just bit her arm, just gone. Uh, She was rushed off to Wilcox Memorial Hospital. By the time she arrived there, she had lost over 60% of her blood. She was in a hypovolemic shock. A doctor living in a hotel nearby raced over to uh, help with the rescue. Her father, who was scheduled to have his knee surgery that same morning, who was already there, um, she took his place in the operating room. How random. Um, she, what a weird coincidence. She spent the next three weeks in recovery before being released. Uh, during subsequent media interviews, she confirmed that she felt normal when she was bitten and did not feel much pain from the bite at the moment of the disaster, but felt numb on the way to the hospital. When the news broke of the shark attack, a family of fishermen led by Ralph Young presented to investigators photos of a 14 foot long tiger shark. Uh, they had caught and killed about one mile from the attack site. It had surfboard debris in its mouth. When measurements of its mouth were compared with those of Hamilton's broken board, it matched. In late 2004, the police officially confirmed that it was the same shark that attacked her. That's so weird to me. Like, why are, why are the police involved in investigating a shark attack? I mean, does, does Hawaii have, have shark detectives? Hello, I, uh, I'm Detective uh, Flanagan. I'm lead investigator in Honolulu Shark Division. Tonight, I'm going undercover, pretending to be a hammerhead. Uh, I'm going to be in the sea for hours, if not days. Trying to get in with some great whites that we believe are smuggling South American heroin into the local dolphin population. We had three OD last week. Bad for tourism. Uh, makes kids sad. Two porpoises died as well, which also makes kids sad because kids think that porpoises are dolphins. And also the local sea otter population is riddled with meth uh, being produced right now by, by a couple of goddamn tiger sharks. But some of my meth! But some of my sea meth! Now, I know, I know long ago we talked about shark attacks, uh, but it's been quite a while. So quick refresher on some shark attack stats. The International Shark Attack File, ISAF, investigated 155 incidents of alleged shark-human interaction occurring worldwide in 2017. 88 cases represent confirmed, unprovoked shark attacks on humans. 30 of the remaining cases were confirmed as provoked attacks on humans. Now, unprovoked attacks are defined as incidents where an attack... On a live human occurs in the shark's natural habitat with no human provocation of the shark. Unexpected attacks are defined as incidents where the where the uh, the shark attack occurs on land. Uh, very unexpected attacks are defined as as incidents where the shark attack occurs over 100 miles from the coast and indoors. And are you sure about that? Attacks are defined as incidents where shark attacks occur uh, in either a Nebraska or an Iowa convention center. And, of course, that's nonsense. No, there are three uh, major kinds of unprovoked shark attacks. By far the most common uh, are the hit-and-run attacks, like what happened to Bethany. Uh, These typically occur in the surf zone with swimmers and surfers, uh, you know, um, being the normal targets. The victim seldom sees his attacker. Uh, The shark does not return after inflicting a single bite or slash wound. In most instances, uh, it's probably cases of mistaken identity that occur under conditions of poor water visibility in a harsh physical environment like breaking surf, strong wash, current conditions. 
Uh, feeding shark in this habitat must make quick decisions and rapid movements to capture its traditional food items. Uh, when these difficult physical conditions are considered in conjunction with provocative human appearance and activities associated with aquatic recreation, splashing, shiny jewelry, uh, contrasting uh, colored swimsuits, a uh, piece of meat tied to your wing, uh, a steak in each hand, a bloody steak in each hand, um, someone taping raw fish all over their body. Um, it, the shark can occasionally misinterpret that as, uh, as you know, being a prey and can accidentally bite the human. It's assumed that upon biting, the shark quickly realizes that the human is a foreign object or that it's too large and immediately releases the victim and does not return. Uh, there's also bump and bite attacks, uh, sneak attacks. While less common, they do result in greater injuries and most uh, the most fatalities. These type of attacks usually involve divers or swimmers in somewhat deeper waters, but occur near shore shallows in some areas of the world. Bump and bite attacks are characterized by the shark initially circling, terrifying, and often bumping the victim prior to the actual attack. A little, little bit of taunting. Sneak attacks differ uh, where the strike occurs without warning. I think, I don't know which one would be more terrifying for me. I don't know if I would just not want to see it coming, but then have the utter sudden terror of a shark attacking me or see the shark circling me, get bumped, and then be probably the sneak attack. If, if I'm definitely going to be attacked either way, sneak attack. I don't want to know that it's coming. In both of those cases, uh, unlike the pattern for hit and run attacks, repeat attacks are not uncommon and multiple or sustained bites are the norm. Like they're, they're trying to eat you at that point. Uh, injuries occurred during this type of attack are usually quite severe, frequently resulting in death. Um, uh, then there's provoked attacks. Those occur when a human initiates physical contact with a shark. You know, like when a, when a diver is bitten after grabbing a shark. So maybe, I don't know, this, this sounds crazy. I don't, I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but maybe maybe don't grab sharks. Maybe that's not a, a, a smooth move. Uh, you know, these are, these occur like attacks on spearfishers, you know, uh, you know, and people feeding sharks, you know, people unhooking or removing a shark from a fishing net. Uh, of the remaining 37 cases, 18 involve bites to motorized or non-motorized marine vessels boat attacks, <laughs> which is so random. Uh, two involve shark-inflicted post-mortem bites, you know, scavenge. Four were cases in which the shark-human interaction could not be confirmed based on available data. And one case involved a diver in a public aquarium. That sucks. When you get shark attacked in an aquarium. That's 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 a bummer. Uh, Twelve cases were regarded as doubtful in which the incidents did not involve a shark, including one case attributed to a stingray and one case attributed to a barracuda. The other 10 cases were determined to be caused by other sources. Uh, the 2017 worldwide total of 88 confirmed unprovoked cases was slightly higher than the most recent five-year average between 2012 and 2016 of 83 incidents annually. Highest year on record 2015, 98 unprovoked incidents. Uh, significantly, there were only five unprovoked attacks that were fatal worldwide. Uh, and that's on track with the average uh, annual amount of six. And, and, and you'd think, uh, and as you'd think, the, the number of human shark interactions is directly correlated with time spent by humans in the sea. The more time you spend in the water, obviously, the greater the odds of attack. But even when considering only people who swim in the ocean, the odds of being uh, bitten by a shark, one in 11.5 million. Uh, compare that to your chances of dying in an automobile-related incident or from wounds received in an automobile-related incident. One in 77. That's what it says. Numerous sources online. Sounds way high to me, but that's way higher odds. And yet, uh, I am way less scared of driving than I am of sharks. Now, I think the real fear that no one's talking about is a shark who learns how to fucking drive and isn't good at it. That's the true predator. It's a freeway shark. 
but yeah, yeah, I still get anxious, man. Damn you, Jaws movie. Uh, Bethany Hamilton does not get anxious. Uh, she got right back into the water as soon as her wound healed and doctors would allow it. She was back within a month of the attack, one week after being allowed to go back home out of the hospital, back in the water. Uh, she says when she first returned to surfing, she felt like she was learning the sport all over again. Just, you know, learning with one arm, adapting to not having two there. Um, you know, before, she says, I was really strong at paddling. Since this happened, I only have one arm, and my paddling has definitely slowed down. And she likened surfing with one arm to doing like a one-arm push-up instead of a regular push-up. Uh, she said it was a slow process. She said every time I would go out there, I would learn something new. I kept practicing just on smaller waves, just standing up and figuring out how to catch it and all that. And each time I felt better and better about my surfing. See, just, man, just putting that work in. Try trying to get a little better working on improvements and she never seemed phased by her physical disability. She had a, uh, a lifelike prosthetic arm custom made for her, but then she decided really not to use it. And, I, and I've never seen her in a picture with it. Uh, she said, living in Kauai, everybody knows who I am. And it's not really going to make me more confident having a real arm or a fake arm. Uh, she said, it doesn't even really help me. It's not, it's not that I don't like it, but it doesn't really come in handy because living in Hawaii, I'm running around. It's not like it's waterproof and it doesn't help me paddle faster. I love that everything about what her life is just like, how is this going to help me get better at surfing? No. Then not interested. Uh, Hamilton also had to cover overcome some psychological obstacles. She, uh, you know, she did say she had those thoughts of like, you know, you never know if it could happen again. She said she dealt with her fears by singing a song, praying, or just ignoring it. Uh, she said she had to block it out, had to figure out how to block it out because she loves surfing so much. Man, that is dedication. Like, I'm not sure I'm that dedicated to stand up or podcasting. Like, if suddenly there was some weird species of shark that only attacked podcasters. Uh, while they podcasted, I don't know that I'd be here right now, especially if one had already attacked me. You know, people are like, hey, man, how come Monday's episode didn't come out? Because a podcast shark bit my goddamn arm off. That's why. It's too dangerous. I'm out. Jimmy from Small Town Murder, he got attacked last week. James had to punch a goddamn tiger shark off him in the middle of a recording. Podcast sharks are terrible this season. Terrible. Uh, Bethany's brother, Noah, uh, helped Bethany conquer her fears by showing her how to how a special design you could place on the surfboard uh, helps ward off sharks. It, it looks like zebra stripes, and it mimics some poisonous sea creature. And uh, he said sharks are way scared uh, of this pattern. It's kind of a repellent, but the main thing is it's just a total confidence booster. Uh, Would have been nice to show your sister that design before the shark bit her arm off, Noah, you asshole. Hamilton's mother, Sherry, uh, said the family made other arrangements in the name of safety after the attack. She said, we don't go out uh, surfing anymore during the worst hours of the day during the shark's feeding time. <laughs> Maybe should have avoided shark feeding time before the attack. Come on. Come on, Sherry. You and Noah are just, you're really grinding my gears. You're really grinding them today. Uh, in the next few years after the attack, I'm Peter Griffin for some reason now. Uh, the next few years after the attack, Hamilton saw three more uh, sharks in the water around her. Ugh including one time when a five-foot hammerhead shark swam right under her board. <laughs> but she never let that scare her out of the water. Oh, my God. I might die of fright. If I saw a large shark body go under me in the water, I would, I would honestly be worried that I would have some weird kind of panic attack and just start drowning and just helplessly float down to where the shark could more easily eat me. Bah! The next few years after the attack, Hamilton saw... Oh, wait. I already said that. Sorry. I got this, I got, this, I got in my head. I got in my head thinking about that damn shark floating underneath me. Uh, her father, Tom, says Bethany, never had a pity party uh, for her over losing her arm in the shark attack. Um, Beth, she said that kind of helped, you know, people not allowing her to kind of like feel sorry for herself. Bethany says her strong religious faith as a Christian also helped her accept losing her arm uh, to a shark attack. And then she became more positive 
uh, afterwards. She said more positive has come out of it than negative. You know, it's, it's kind of a theme last uh, week and this week. Uh, like I said earlier, within a month of the attack, Besney returned to the water. Within two years, she won her first national surfing title in 2007. She realized her dream of surfing professionally. Uh, and since then, her story has been uh, told in a New York Times bestselling autobiography and in the 2000 film, Soul Surfer. Uh, Bethany is now involved in numerous charitable efforts, including her own foundation, Friends of Bethany, which reaches out to amputees and youth, encouraging a broken world, uh, um, you know, how to heal in a broken world by offering hope to overcome uh, struggles through a Christian faith. Uh, she uses her platform as a professional athlete uh, to promote living a fit and healthy lifestyle. She authored a book, Body and Soul, in 2014, uh, has a new project called Unstoppable, a recently released surf documentary showcasing her as one of the best women surfers in the world. She's also uh, uh, published a, a children's book this past year. And, and, and here's a quote that sums up her philosophy on life. She says, life is full of what ifs. You can't let it hold you back. If you do, you're not really living at all. Just kind of going through the motions with no meaning. Love it. Hail Nimrod. Can't worry about the what ifs. Uh, that is the lesson I have to continually relearn. And I find myself going down the, the the what if rabbit hole way too often. What if everyone stops listening to time? Like, what if no one wants to come to my shows anymore? What if I'm, you know, just I, I used to be funny, but now I'm not going to be funny. What if uh, work goes awesome, but then something terrible happens to the kids? What if something terrible happens to Lindsay? What if I die in a plane crash next week? What will Lindsay and the kids do when I'm gone? What if something happens to Penny, Gin, Penny and Ginger? You know, and on and on. And, uh, you know. And I have to stop myself. Remember, there's there's a, there's a lot I can't stop from happening. So what's the point in worrying about it? You know, uh, you know, I, I I can't. You know, it's not a good po- policy to like shut down and try to k- minimize risks. I, in my opinion, like a lot of people do, or that some people do, by just like going out less, doing things less. You know, just to cut down on the risk of something bad happening. Because then I feel like you're not even really living. You know, it's not like you get points when you die for sticking around a couple more years. You know, you, you don't lose points for having too much fun, you know, and being a little adventurous when you're younger. I used to think Bethany was dumb for getting back into the water after attack, but now I get it. Surfing is her passion, her life. We should all be lucky enough to find something we care about so much, something that fulfills us so greatly that not even losing an arm stops us from doing it. E- even when doing it means you might lose another arm. You know, unless your passion is lighting, you know, like high-powered firecrackers, and holding them in your hand like a dumb shit until they explode, uh, you know, then 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 go for it. You know, in, in that case, you should probably find a new hobby, but otherwise, go for it. Um, so we'll touch on Nick and Bethany again in today's top five takeaways. Hope hope their stories inspired you. Hope last week and this week inspired you. Hope you can, you know, get a little inspiration, head into the next year. Uh, back back into more traditional type time suck episodes starting next week. Now, let, let's hit the interlude button one more time and talk about how things have gone with time suck since that suck sucks itself episode back in the fall of uh, 2017. All right. So back in October 2017, I released an episode called The Suck Sucks Itself. And uh, and if you listen, you know, that's the story of my life and career up until that point, you know, more focus on career and just a lot of talk of like, you know, you don't publicize your failures usually, but just thought it'd be, uh, yeah, I guess kind of inspirational again, just to go with today's theme to let people know that like, yeah, way more shit went wrong than went right. And got a lot of fun feedback about that, uh, you know, from, from a lot of you listeners. So I thought it'd be nice to kind of update it at this uh, end of the year episode. And and this year, what a, what a wild, fun ride this has been. Uh, when we left off last fall, there was just, a, I was kind of thinking about today about like how far things have come. There was no podcast app. There was no podcast team. I mean, not really 
had, had, a, had like one or two people kind of help me with social media a little bit, um, but nothing like what happens now. Uh, no Patreon, no Secret Suck bonus additional weekly podcast. Uh, I hadn't met Harmony Velikamp yet, hadn't started working with Jesse Dobner. There was no Suck Dungeon. I was still recording that little office-like corner of my house. Uh, with some basic, you know, kind of rudimentary podcast equipment or, or at the kitchen or in some random, random hotel room out in the road. Uh, no Alex Dugan helping, you know, structure uh, emails and helping customer service. No access apparel. I just barely started working uh, with Danger Brain on just a few simple things. Uh, I, I had just started working with a few researchers to kind of, you know, start helping with some episodes. I just barely done my first live podcast in LA. Little 60-seat venue. About 50 people showed up. You know, at that time... Queen of the Suck, Lindsay, was, was still working in real estate. Uh, I, was, I was last fall just starting to get uh, consistent sponsorship. And, and the best part of it, the most exciting part of, of last end of 2017, after that was that the, the download numbers were exploding. Like it, was, it just felt crazy. And it, and it turns out it was. And I, I will get to that. But, I, you know, I was on pace to get like, you know, 200,000 plus downloads an episode in like the first 30 days of release by the end of the year which is a phenomenal number. That's like a huge number in the podcast world. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and and here's how ads work, by the way, on that. You, you get just, uh, I love kind of letting you guys know how this all works. You, you get um, paid for ads based on the amount of downloads slash listens your episode received. Based on, you know, they, they figure out a, a projected amount of, you know, downloads and listens. You know, like, okay, you're averaging this many, uh, you know, listens per episode in a two-month period after release. And you have been for the past few months, so we feel comfortable telling companies that if they buy, you know, an ad on your on your show, they'll get, you know, at least this many listens. And so I start making, you know, plans for the future. I'm reinvesting money, and I start making plans for the future based on those numbers, based on that growth, based on these analytics that I've been monitoring for over a year and really digging into and reading everything I can on. Uh, I met with the guys at Bitelixer uh, who are, you know, just you know, fans of the show. Uh, Chris Pockell, you know, is the one who, who, you know, kicked it off and Chris, you know, we go meet up, we, we decide to go through with this app. We're very excited. And I, and I, and I made this, you know, kind of mental goal. I'm like, okay, when I first talked to him, like, if it looks like I can get to 200,000 by the beginning of the next year, then I feel comfortable based on, you know, two or 3% of those listeners, you know, based on stuff I read about choosing to sign up on this, uh, you know, Patreon account, then, then the app will pay for itself, and then I can actually hire people to help because it's getting really hard to handle all this by myself, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I'm making these decisions based on these numbers. Um, cause, and the guys gave me an amazing deal on the app, but if you don't know, I think a lot of people are blown away by how much apps cost. I don't want to say because I don't want to, like, throw that personal information from Bitelixer out there. But, but apps, you know, like, they cost more than cars. You know, cheaper to get a car than to, even to get a good deal on, like, a comprehensive app. And, uh... But I felt confident pulling the trigger because, you know, I figured, again, that ad money would, even if the even if the Patreon attempt failed, I figured the ad money would cover it. And at least I wouldn't be losing money on the podcast. So I agreed to spend money I didn't have to get the app and Secret Suck, you know, going, uh, launched that Patreon account, didn't know anything, you know, much about it before that. And then it's always such a roller coaster. Shortly after signing that contract, shit hits the fan in the podcast world. Uh, it turned out that industry-wide download numbers weren't being calculated properly and hadn't been calculated properly for years. They were, in fact, extremely inflated. And then, you know, uh, as, as podcasts are becoming more popular and more companies, large-scale companies are wanting to advertise on these podcasts, 
Well, they get this consulting group form, this IAB, this Interactive Advertising Bureau. And, you know, the heads of various big businesses and from radio and different places. And they're like, all right, we got all these companies, this, this Podbean, Art19, Blueberry, all these hosting services having their own analytics. And it's kind of Wild West. We have to come up with a uniform standard of how to determine what constitutes a download or a listen. You know, and, and they came up with it. They took their initial stab at that. Nobody had a heads up about this. Just suddenly one day, my, and I talked to a bunch of other podcasts and basically every other podcast downloads fell off a fucking cliff. So after I'd already committed this, my download numbers dropped dramatically. I went from projecting about 125,000 downloads an episode to projecting about 60, 70,000 downloads an episode. Huge drop, like almost a 50% drop, uh, which not only made me feel like, you know, I, I wouldn't end up having uh, enough Secret Suck subscribers to, to make the Patreon subscription work, but it also killed off a ton of sponsors. Sponsors bail, you know, because, uh, you know, you, you don't hit projections. They're disappointed. Uh, suddenly they're seeing this big shakeup in the world. They kind of backed off for a few months uh, on podcasts in general, except for the huge ones. You know, the the My Favorite Murder, some of the Joe Rogan, the really big ones, the Mark Marin, who even just based on their YouTube and social media can see like, all right, they have a, a, an enormous listener base. Um, so suddenly my future's looking sketchy at best, which was a bummer because I'd invested a lot of our savings uh, <laughs> until the end of 2017 into really believing in this idea, getting it going, talk Lindsay into like, let's do this. Uh, I turned down kind of outside consulting work because I used to work in like reality TV briefly uh, from some contacts I had. Nope, don't have time. Got to focus on this. Uh, Lindsay was entering the slow season in Coeur d'Alene for selling houses. It was her first year. It takes a little bit to build your business and real estate. Our emergency savings start getting like, you know, scary low, like uh, like they're going to run out by March, you know, April to latest. And then we're not going to know how we're going to like pay for our life. Uh, but the emails... Continue to pour in. You guys kept sending in the messages. You kept talking about how much you loved the show, how much it meant to you in just non-financial ways, you know, and just how much it helped you get through this problem or that. And it just kept me believing in it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd meet you guys at shows and and see how important it was to you. And, and it just felt like despite what the numbers were saying, despite what the analytics were reading, that some, something was growing. Something was changing, you know. And then in December of 2017, all of a sudden, more people really started to kind of trickle into the shows. It started to become really evident that something different was happening. It really, really started in uh, Grand Rapids, uh, you know, Dr. Grins in 2017 in, in December. It just felt like more people were aware of who I was when I came out on stage. And then it really took another little bump up at Comedy Works in Denver for the New Year's Eve kind of uh, uh, shows. And then, you know, when my name was announced, it wasn't just this, you know, kind of obligatory applause of like, who, who's this guy? It was like, yeah, all right, Dan's coming out. We're excited. Uh, people are yelling Hail Nimrod and shit as I walk on stage. You know, I, I do the Here Come the Spoons stand-up bit for a closing bit, and, and people knew what it was. Uh, but I'm still nervous. I'm still nervous, you know, because uh, on the stand-up side, even though it's, it's looking a little better, at the same time, also kind of based on those numbers, feeling like I had a fallback plan, my, my agent and I took a huge gamble. Uh, we decided to say no to some of the clubs that have been most consistent clubs for booking me for years. Uh, because there's this thing in the club world where you, you can get kind of like a low, like guaranteed money, which, which isn't much, uh, after your travel and paying your agent manager, like it truly is not much. You could definitely not like provide for a family on it, like not even in, in Idaho. And, um, but it, but it's something, you know, it's, it's, it's steady, but they didn't want to recognize for 2018 that I was starting to bring some fans. You guys were starting to come out and actually support me at live events. 
And, uh, you know, we fought him like, hey, we just, you know, if you could give us this cut, of, if we sell X amount of, amount of tickets, could you please just, you know, give us a, a little bit of appreciation for that? Nope, they refused. So we just said, all right, fuck you guys. Uh, not an easy decision. And then started going to alternative rooms, started going to uh, new places uh, based on these uh, these splits, these these door deals where you get a very low guarantee, lower than I was getting before. But if you sell a lot of tickets, you make much more than you did before. And it was a huge gamble. And uh, man, like February, March, I, I didn't want to like ever show it, but nervous as shit. And then also what happens <laughs> uh, before the, the launch of our app this this last year, the analytics world, right when everybody says like, okay, you know, we had that drop. We think it, we have it figured out now. Then it, in December, it takes another huge drop, like another enormous one uh, where I had built back up on the new projection system, the new analytics where it was looking like not going to be 200,000, but looking like I'll hit like, you know, 100,000 downloads per episode early in 2018. Nope. Drops down to 50,000. I mean, you know, this is, you know, it's dropping down to like 50,000 where it looked like it was going to be 200,000 just a few months earlier. Ads go away again. They just started to come back. Poof, gone. Now I'm even more worried about the launch of the app. You know, we have a smaller pool to draw from. Uh, worried about these, you know, future future deals at clubs. Um, you know, and, I, and I've already committed to paying these app costs, you know, uh, whether or not the app was going to work. Really, and, and and also, I'm getting more um, exhausted trying to stay on top of bonus episodes, trying to launch these new things, not sleeping, uh, you know, very well, you know, like four hours a night, not eating very well, not going to the gym, just trying to keep running, keep it going. Uh, I need to hire somebody to keep things going, so I hire a part-time employee. Before the second analytic drop, I actually um, committed to an office lease, and then, you know, so that was another thing where it's like, then it drops, and I'm like, God damn it, we can't, we can't fucking win, this is all going to fall apart. Um, so I hire, but I hire somebody part-time cause I can't do the secret suck alone. Um, for, I knew I w- wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, and then, you know, it launches, it launches at the end of uh, February and, and you guys came through 874 patrons signed up right away. It was just like for those last few days of the month by March, it was over 2000 patrons by April. My cut from Patreon reached our goal of $10,000. Now we're able to kind of like um, have a team in that span, in that span of January, February. Lindsay, she she sees like once she sees the Patreon, you know, just start to work. She realizes he is going to burn out. He is going to fall apart. It was like I had like, almost like a nervous breakdown just out of just pure sleep deprivation one, one night in the office where I was so tired. I just didn't have the energy to get the episode done. I did, but I was like, I can't, I can't do this much longer. Like I'm going to just get real sick and just collapse from just, you know, not getting enough sleep. And uh, so then she walks away from her job. You guys came through in the Patreon. I mean, it really was a dramatic behind the scenes couple of months. We had a lot of people who had been starting to help like Harmony and like this past, you know, in November, 2017, Jesse Dobner, not too long after that, who who offered to help on a, on a pure volunteer basis. But I felt bad because they were getting so much work to do on social media and, and editing and different little things. Once the Patreon stuff, we were immediately able to like, you know, throw uh, Harmony some money. When when Alec came on, throw Alex some money, throw Jesse some money, throw our researchers that, uh, you know, have consistently done a bunch of episodes. Now they get paid per episode, you know, the uh, the kind of the, uh, the, the the veteran staff, if you will. Um, we're able to pay, you know, other people doing different things. We had a deal with Danger Brain for a while where it was just kind of trade outs. But, you know, that's that's not going to last forever. So then we're able to uh, pay Danger Brain for future branding and merchandise. All because of, you know, you guys uh, coming through, 
coming through. And, you know, when everything else was real kind of all over the place, man, I'm so thankful that I, that I did pull the trigger on that app. And, and what a weird thing how life works. I've thought about this so much. If I would have known my true numbers, I would have never pulled the trigger on Patreon. I would have never uh, really, really gone for the the thing that kind of built the community. I would have never tried to like, you know, uh, uh, work with Harmony and other people. I would have thought it just wasn't the right time. There was not enough people. She would have never started the private Facebook group that's led to so many people forming new relationships. Like all of that came because I was working off of false information. Um, I think about that so often, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was able, it, then it was, and then it just got, you know, as things got better than as you guys, you know, invested further in the show with Patreon numbers, um, the analytics have remained steady this year as far as how they value them. And, and we've more than doubled. We've gone up from that 50,000 projection where it's now, you know, we're looking like 125, 150,000 downloads an episode, you know, in the first two months. And, th- and that's all been organic. You know, it's like you guys have believed enough in the show to really kind of spread the message, you know, just through word of mouth. I mean, that's the overwhelming majority of where we've got new listeners, um, which has allowed us to improve the show. You know, even doing video now, uh, you know, wouldn't have been able to uh, get the equipment, have somebody, you know, full time to 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 uh, to do the manpower, or put in the man, the hours it takes to get that done. We were able to upgrade, employ. You know, things didn't work out with the first audio guy. We took a gamble. Uh, on the next guy and, you know, uh, and had to pay him, you know, more. And he's, he's for sure worth it. You know, Joe Paisley, you know, it was a big leap in salary from what we were doing before. And we just had another moment of like, shit, I don't know. But then the emails keep coming in. The messages keep coming in of like how much it matters. And we're like, no, we just, we got to just go by instinct and just keep riding that out. Uh, You know, funny thing with Joe, I used to, my favorite radio station, uh, you know, back in college was rock 94 and a half. And he was the producer there for like 10 years. And it's just, I still think it's so cool that the guy who produced my favorite radio station in Spokane is now working on Time Suck. And we're going to have him in here in a little while and uh, a little bit later, talk about why he chose to do that. Um, yeah. And so, so I, you know, I, 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 you guys, you know, growing the show uh, allowed us to like do like really cool, fun merch things. I, I I used to love going into like Spencer's Gifts type stores, Hot Topic type stores, and just seeing weird shit, Urban Outfitters, just seeing weird stuff and be like, oh, that's so cool that people actually built that. They made that into a product. Now we have these weird prayer candles and all this stuff that I'm just so proud that exists. It's just so fun to have out there in the world. It'll last beyond, you know, and you know, possibly the life of the show even. Who knows? It, it's It's out there. Um, you know, you guys, I, I'm a big fan of Ted talks, um, because of your involvement in the show. That was something that happened this year. You know, you guys, you know, wrote in, got me nominated for a TEDx talk that I'm going to do here in a few weeks. That's a, that's a cool bucket list thing that, uh, all came from this show. Um, I, I let go of my manager and decided to reinvest that, uh, the money I was paying her into 2019 is going to be into just advertising the podcast, which I never would have done if you guys hadn't believed in it so much. And came to the shows and talked about how much he believed in it. It's like now I'm like, what? Now I'm being an idiot. Why am I not putting a bunch of money into advertising to reach more uh, people who can get a lot out of this? And you know, and, and build the the business financially, of course. But what I love is it's about so much more than that. You know, I've had jobs in the past where it was just about money, just a money grab. Um, so thankful on a daily basis that this is not. That's not what I think when I come to work. I just think like, oh, that's gonna be cool. We'll talk about some weird shit, make people happy. Uh, best job ever. And, uh, but you know, as things, as things go, and and I'm going to talk more about uh, plans for 2019 after this, not everybody has loved our journey, uh, you know, this year, 
you know, there, there are people who post things or send messages who, who don't care uh, for this show. And before we talk more about, you know, just what we, what we do here and what we want to do here going forward, and I know this is um, a little less structured, but I wanted it to be more from the heart. Uh, let's check in. Let's do a kind of like the sucks like itself. Let's let's do an idiots of the internet and, and go back to that and just talk about people saying uh, shitty things uh, about time suck. So let's let's see if that's fun. Idiots of the internet. Okay, for today's idiots of the internet, I, I I thought it was again fitting to kind of roast the suck. And, um, you know, like one of the main ways that the suck is spread is through reviews and ratings. You know, you guys, you guys leave positive reviews, leave positive ratings. It, it lets other people know, oh, that's cool. Just, just like a Yelp review does with a restaurant. And they're like, oh, I should check that out. <laughs> and so I will look for time to time and see like what people are saying. And, and you definitely get some people who are, who are not happy. And it is a surreal experience. You know, it takes a while to get used to it. I don't know if you ever get used to it fully of just people saying super shitty things about you. Uh, but actually kind of like the last few days, really thinking about, or excuse me, last week and this week, um, you know, these inspirational episodes, I think about like what somebody like, uh, you know, uh, Nick has gone through, uh, you know, all the taunting he had to endure and I'm worried about someone not liking a podcast. Get out of here. So let's just start off with, uh, keep giving me murder rights. Uh, this is on iTunes. This is a one, these, these first ones are all one star reviews on iTunes. One star review from keep giving me murder who writes terrible Absolutely terrible. Keep on scrolling for a podcast that isn't so bad. It's cringeworthy. Sometimes what I will do when someone just is aggressively hateful, I'm like, now is it just me? Or do they just are they just a hateful person? I, I clicked on their profile. Uh, Keep Giving Me Murder has left one other review on iTunes only, also giving a one-star review to Behind the Bastard, saying Mariel Eaton is annoying. Please don't have her as a guest again. I had to cut it short because I can't stand listening to someone constantly say, yep. No need to agree when Ben is trying to tell the story. Shut up. College boys using this episode as a drinking game when Mariel says, yep, would be wasted. And you know what? I got to say that, man. I'm glad I did that because that made me feel better. Because now I'm like, oh, okay. Keep giving me, keep giving me murder uh, is, uh, is just a piece of shit. Uh, what you had to stop. You had to stop listening to some podcast. Cause someone kept saying, yep. You're just like, I can't fucking take it. The yep. And then not only that, you had to like, Oh, I gotta let them know. I don't like it. When people say, yep. I don't know anything about keep uh, giving me murder, but I would bet my life. They're accomplishing nothing in, in this world that they are just a fucking sad loser who just hates on shit. And actually puts themselves out there to be possibly judged zero times. Uh, Sinister Melon gives times like one star saying, wanted to love it, but couldn't finish any of the three episodes I started. The stories are good. The facts were there, but the comedy kills it. Guess his comedy style slash podcast isn't for me. And you know what? That's fair. That's fair. Not everyone uh, loves my sense of humor. Never have, never will. Uh, Best of luck. Sinister Melon, I uh, I value your re- negative review far more than the previous one. I accept it, and I, I did uh, look into your profile as well, and I think you gave everyone else, and there was about 15 others, five, five out of five stars. So, okay, you're not a troll. You just really, you really, really, like, really hate my sense of humor, and then you moved on, and I think that's what you're supposed to do in that situation. So, okay, that's fair. Uh, Hellshrine gives the suck one star writing, 
Tupac episode. I unfortunately listened to this episode, and it was horrifyingly insensitive to the Tupac family. It would, it would actually be Shakur family, uh, you dipshit. Uh, it's such a great concept for a podcast, but this entertainer shows his true colors in this episode. True colors? You know what? How about you fuck off, Hellshrine? Uh, that reads to me like, he's racist. I didn't like the, I didn't like what he was saying about African-Americans. I joke around about every topic the same way, regardless uh, of the meat sack's color. And that's how it's supposed to be. That's supposed to be. Uh, it's racist when, when you pull back your punches uh, towards a certain you know ethnic group. To me, that is, that is like you saying like, oh, they can't handle this because they're not equal. So I better back off. Nah, give it, give it, give everybody the same treatment. That's equality. Um, so whatever. So I don't give a shit about that one. Uh, and then she bled. That's a sketchy, uh, name cracks me up with their one star review. This, this may be my favorite one. (laughs) They just post read this awful getting more worse. Yeah. Is it getting more worse than your grammar? Uh, (laughs) and if it was awful, if you already thought it was awful, why in God's name would you keep listening? I've never understood that personality. I guess just because you're a fucking idiot. Uh, definitely don't give a shit what you think. Uh, you, you do not uh, deserve to suck. I actually wish I could somehow ban you from listening to anything I've ever done on, on all media sources. <laughs> that is just a, such a weird personality to me. When someone's like, God, I hate this. Let's, let's watch it. Let's see if it's gotten worse. That's worse. Let's, all right. But you know what? Next week, maybe... It won't be quite as terrible. I mean, I'll still hate it, but it might even be even worse. Let's watch it again. Like, there's so many entertainment options out there. Find something you don't hate. How, how hard is that? Uh, uh, user Cabranda17, one stars the suck writing, used to be my favorite. I used to love this podcast, but with the idiots of the internet section, I can't stand it. Nobody cares about those idiots, and he spends too much time on it and reacting to it. Well, now you're in that section, uh, Cabranda17, you dickweed. Hope you give the suck one more chance only to hear this episode. And I hope it sends you into a fucking murderous rage. Uh, <laughs> true moron Sam Popo posts his one star writing. <laughs> this, this just cracks me up because it's so absurd. It's so absurd. He writes, horrible host, horribly awful. <laughs> I like the content and ideas he discusses, but he has horrible jokes. He loves the word horrible. And is very bad at giving podcasts. I love the phrasing. He's very bad at giving podcasts. And then the suggestion at the end is the kicker to me. This is the best part. Maybe a new host. Ah, maybe, maybe you learn uh, how not to be borderline illiterate before dropping webcam. Is very bad at giving podcasts. Please tell me English is not your first language. You are very bad at giving feedback. And then new host. I, I am the show, you dumb shit. It's not like I was hired to do this. It's my fucking show. Just find a different podcast. That is like somebody. I was just that's some. That's like somebody being like, you know what? <sighs> Here's the thing. I like listen. I like the concept of John Mayer, but what I don't like is his music, or him as a person, or how he performs his music. Could could you please? Could someone at John Mayer please replace John Mayer? Could some? Could we have a different John Mayer? John Mayer. Ah, oh, you're fucking so dumb. Um, I don't even understand how you, I don't understand how you can be that dumb, but know how a computer works. Like I really don't. I'm amazed by so many people. Online. How can you be that stupid, but be able to turn on a computer? Like how, how, how do those qualities coexist in person? 
Um, now let's move over to YouTube. Uh, user Blood Falcon Fantastic left the following comment just recently. Uh, like recently, recently, as I was doing this, I did this a little bit before the holidays. On the alphabet killer suck on YouTube. Uh, writes, this is this is the, maybe the most annoying form of criticism I get. Hey, Dan, why don't you actually start covering creepy shit again? Sorry, but another serial killer or another president or some historical figure we all know about is getting dull. Give us some conspiracy. Give us some mythology. Give us some of that wackadoodle goodness we all crave. These last few months have been disappointing. Sad. Make me happy. Make weird. Get happy. Dude, exactly one month before when you leaving this comment, I did a two and a half hour wackadoodle fest episode on the Illuminati New World Order conspiracy. What in the fuck are you talking about? Two weeks before that, Russian sleep experiment. That's pretty weird. That's some folklore. That's some web folklore. Uh, what about the huge demonology suck right before that one? You're not helpful when you, when you send thoughtless criticism. Like, like effective criticism, you know, uh, it helps. It can be bad. Like, if you're like, hey, man, didn't like the approach you took to the research the last few episodes. Uh, you know, didn't love all of the topics. But when you're like, dude, why don't you ever do a serial killer suck like the day I do one? Then you're fucking, you're being stupid. H- how could you have time to leave that comment but not have time to just look at the previous two ep- months worth of episodes you're referring to and be like, oh, <laughs> that would have been dumb for me to write. Uh, user Sarah Nevitt goes full schizophrenic. I don't even understand what the fuck this person's talking about. Uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning here. Posting, <laughs> this, is under, uh, this is under the demonology, uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, <laughs> she posts, one, we don't need the multiple camera angles and neither, and neither is flattering. Kind of a dick thing to say. Number two, I see your tattoo. Might as well have just gone with Utah. Too funny. What? Number number three, I am no sucker. Okay. Number four, you're still blabbing about bullshit as I type this. And then and then most confusing, number five, thanks for the upload. Take your meds, Sarah. Take your meds. I have an Idaho tattoo because I'm from Idaho. And I live in Idaho. You tremendous dipshit. Uh I love I love you saying I'm blabbing bullshit, but then saying, but thanks for the upload. You are insane. You're insane. I spend less time on YouTube. Spend more time like sitting in a quiet outdoor location next to a pile of self-help books that you're taking seriously. Uh, Lobo Lopez under my new world order suck writes, I think Alex Jones is a bit off, but he did get the world's superpowers dressed up and doing rituals. And this fucking guy is making light of it, even defending it. This dude is bought and Sold. You are so dumb, it's hard to figure out where to start talking about you, Lobo. Alex Jones didn't uncover dick. You fucking non-critical thinking skill-having motherfucker. He filmed, like, theater. He filmed silly rituals. Uh, You know, what if somebody filmed us doing the secret suck handshake? Would you be like, (laughs) you would. Because you're a paranoid fucking moron. Freemasons have rituals. Have Have you seen the current state of the Freemason lodges? Do you really think old men... Going to dilapidated buildings are running the fucking planet. Bought and sold. Finally. I kind of like that. Finally, someone thinks I'm part of the Illuminati. Cannot wait until I get some uh, some Illuminati iconography tattoos down the road. I Seriously, part of the reason I want to do that is just to fuck with lunatics and make them think like, oh, yeah, 
He's part. He's part of it. He's in the, he's in the New World Order. Uh, last one. Steven Taylor wrote, I listened till you plugged Jim Jeffries. Deutsch. <laughs> and, then, and then Adam Schaefer replies, Oh, poor whittle sensitive boy who doesn't like Jim Jeffries. Also, it's spelled douche. Douche. Ha <laughs> ha. Thank you, Adam. Perfect. Perfect. I love it. I love it when you guys troll back trolls. I love it. They fucking deserve it. Some people are like, why waste your time? It is fun. It is fun to give a little back. It makes them so angry. And, it, and you know what? They're, they're, they're putting their shit on everybody else. Nah, throw a little shit back sometimes. And, uh, and actually, for, for the record, I don't mind criticism. I, uh, you know, there's plenty of I hate his comedy type quotes. Those actually don't bother me because I don't expect any, everyone to like it. I don't think everyone should like it. It's subjective. Uh, I actually love constructive criticism. Like, you know, uh, hey, Dan, I, I liked it when you used to do blank. Uh, how come you don't do more of that? I wish you did more of blank. Uh, you know, I feel like there's not enough of that in society. You know, usually people put zero thought into criticism. Like, just go to Yelp. It's very rarely constructive. The place was dirty and the waitress was a moron. Never go. Boo. You know, it's like that kind of vibe. You know, or on YouTube, iTunes especially. iTunes, I think, might be the worst. I'm amazed. I, I, I've talked about this before, I'm sure. But the one that kills me the absolute most is when people go to bands they hate who haven't released the album yet. It's a pre-order. And they one-star the shit out of it and leave the most vile comments imaginable. You guys have sucked for 10 years. I hate your music so much it makes me want to fucking cut my ears off. No one should listen. Fuck you, you worthless troll. You know, that band you hate will, will do more good in the world than you and your entire fucking family tree. You piece of shit. Uh, this got me fired up. You know what? I, I, I actually, uh, I like it. The blood's moving. I like, I, I like that about trolls. I, I do like that about the negative stuff. It does get me like, huh, yes, I feel alive. Uh, so, so I'll, uh, so I will leave, I, I will leave today's idiots with some constructive criticism of my own, actually. Be before you go trolling all over YouTube, work on spelling and grammar. That would be my constructive criticism for a lot of YouTube trolls. People, uh, take your feedback more seriously if you know how to spell, you know, the word douche. Uh, and maybe don't say things like more worse unless you want to make it real obvious that you're more dumb than most people on the internet and that you are definitely an idiot of the internet. Idiots of the internet. Okay, so I think I've covered a lot of what we've done here in 2018. Um, a lot of good stuff, you know, move things forward a lot. Uh, uh, 2019 plans. I want to start having sex with members. That's a big goal for 2019. Uh, we're going to go full cult. Got to have, got to impregnate a lot of people. Got to start, um, you know, cutting guys out of the loop. And no, that's not, we're not going to be that kind of cult. Um, I mean, really what I want to do is just review. We're going to uh, have some time over the holiday break. I got this stuff done a little bit in advance. So I can have time to reflect and review. Uh, what episodes were the most popular? What did people like? What did I like the most? Find that intersection of the two, you know, try to like curate uh, the suck a little more effectively. I feel like in 2019, um, you know, tune up the secret suck. I'm uh, going to introduce one new segment soon. Uh, maybe introduce another. How can we make that more entertaining, more of a standalone podcast? Uh, more street team. Thank you, uh, street team, you know, with the stickers. We want to make more of those. Get those out all over the world. I love the punk rock vibe of that. Uh, going to, like I said, buy ads uh, on other podcasts. Going to reinvest your guys' investments and really try to grow this and spread this and be able to give more to charity. You know, so proud of the charity work we've done the last you know, six months. Want to want to give much more of that going forward. 
Um, hopefully announce a big gathering. Uh, Lindsay's working on it. I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, mess it up and give anything away. Um, how can we build the community even further? How can we contribute more to this new sense of tribe or family for many of you? Uh, I want to work hard on kicking out content. Think about what characters are the best, you know, uh, strengthen the mythology of some characters, maybe cut others. You know, I want to end 2019 by by growing this enough to realistically entertain a dream of ha- either buying a place and having a, a true customized suck dungeon or leasing a place that we can customize. And uh, and yeah, and I, and I think that's it. And we're going to get Joe here in a second with today's top five takeaways. Going to have him come in at number five. Uh, let's get to today's top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, Nick Vojcic was born with Tetra Amelia Syndrome. And he now has a loving wife and four kids and an amazing career, and he's doing what he loves, and he's inspiring so many people. And he would have, uh, you know, he could have chosen just to live on uh, disability and be a web troll. But, uh, you know, he didn't. He didn't, and he's just changing lives for the better. Not sure I would be as as strong in that situation, man. Thank you for existing, Nick. Thanks for being you. Definitely one of my heroes. Hail Nimrod. Uh, Number two, Bethany Hamilton had her arm bit off by a tiger shark at 13 years old while surfing back in the water a month later. Uh, she went on to become a professional surfer and is a humanitarian today. Bravery. She has it in spades. Hope this 41-year-old man can be half as brave as that 13-year-old girl was when I need to be. Number three, you have more than doubled the audience of the show in 2018. Thank you. I hope we can double it again in 2019. Hope we can improve it to make it worth your time. Uh, number four, to start off the year, we had roughly zero listeners uh, or members Excuse me, in a private Facebook group. Now we have over 5,300 I might have not even mentioned that before. And you know, and it's growing every month. Thanks for turning this from a goofy uh, a podcast into this awesome community of people who care and help one another. Uh, number five, uh, new info. We are planning on releasing two additional podcasts in 2019 under the network name of Bad Magic Productions. I'm trying to get my, my shit together with Time Suck, really make sure the, 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 uh, ha- the, the hatches are batting down. There we go. Um, before going forward. Um, and then, yeah, get in here, Bill Paisley. Get in here. Get in here, Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley. P.O. Paisley. P.O. Paisley. And uh, going to have one. One of the new ones going to be with Joe, where we we talked about that poke fun at ourselves and ignorance all over the web. I'll scoot on over. Uh, Try to get everyone else and uh, and ourselves to raise our games and have a lot of laughs along the way. And then Queen of the Suck and I are going to launch a horror podcast based on urban legends, hauntings, creepy paranormal, other terrifying, supposedly true, campfire-type fright tales. To ideally scare the shit out of you on a weekly basis uh, with another fun uh, podcast there, and just and so fun to be able to work with my wife and kids and, and a cool dude like Joe and have it be like a family business. I, I I loved family businesses way before I was ever doing comedy. So thanks for making it a dream come true. And I think that and the goal is to to make her stay awake all night, exactly. Like podcast, and then yep. she's she's a wreck. She's a wreck between podcasts all yeah. the way to the next one. So it just spitballs. Until she emotionally and mentally <laughs> just, collapses. Just collapses. That's the goal. And then I get a new family. Yeah, and you get a new haunting. There we go. I mean, she's alive, but but, but, but kind she's of a, like, oh, I don't kind know. of a ghost kind yeah. of type person. That'll be fun. I, I actually do wait. wonder, like, it might not be the best personal life. Well, I mean, I mean, we'll we'll figure <laughs> it out. But I think part of that show, after we've done a few, is going to be just checking in with like, so how scared were you when I was in uh, Albany this last week? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you time up the jokes to like right. the ones when you're gone are about people that home break in, home invasions. Home invasions. <laughs> And the ones when you're there is about husbands killing wives. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, what have you seen? And I know we, we got to wrap this up here because we okay. got end of the workday. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, so you, I know with time-wise, we can't stay too long. But 
what do you like about what we've done this last year and what do you want to see this thing do in this next year? It's been incredible to watch it just in... What am I? I've been here for six months. Yeah, since now. right around uh, mid-July. July yeah. 4th, actually. July 4th. Hey, yeah. happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Um, just watching the growth in that time span has been remarkable. Uh, and I'm coming from radio where it's more of a, a sustainable audience. Yeah. Like you're yeah. just trying to not lose your audience. Okay. Opposed to that you want to entertain them. You want to build it. Yeah, but yeah. But a lot of the times you're just catering to who is out there. Right. And who has a dedicated, you know, they like rock music. However, Time Suck, you have people that like rock and metal, but you also have people that like dance and pop. Yeah. So you have a way more uh, diverse audience and a lot of room to grow. Um, And being in radio and being in that environment, like you mentioned earlier, for a decade, uh, seeing this and seeing the connection that you had uh, with a podcast. And also, as you mentioned, just going off word of mouth right. and seeing where it had gotten. I mean, I, I, I only had to spend a day, yeah, a day, maybe a day and a half of like kind of digging around right. from when we first talked, you know, listening to some more episodes, yeah. looking online at the, uh, at the community that is there um, and just kind of, uh, you know, taking that. It wasn't really a risk. I mean, right. I guess kind of. Yeah, kind of. But for sure. I mean, it was, it, in my mind, it wasn't, I mean, I, you look at it and you're like, yeah, it was a risk. You're leaving a job you could potentially have forever right. and be just fine and thrive in. Right. Or you jump ship and go see where this goes. So yeah. I mean, looking at it from that standpoint, but from my perspective, it was a completely, uh, it was a complete step up yeah. to new possibilities and really getting back into that creative side that kind of slowly disappeared in the radio world wow, over yeah. the course of the years as you you know they uh like every big company they do the downsizing right and one person would get fired or leave yeah. and then everybody that was still there would just get all their tasks without getting more money and then that just spitballed forever right, until right. all of the creative uh stuff got put on hold all the time and i i guess kind of I just had that realization that it wasn't going to get better. It's right. not that, that stuff wasn't coming back. Right, right. So, you know, it was fun being on air and doing all that, but this was exactly what I was looking for. So uh, jumping over here and having the confirmation that I made the correct decision yeah, uh, fills me with an incredible amount of joy. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, and that makes I us didn't, happy. I didn't, Lindsay and I, too. I didn't think, I, I did no doubt that it was yeah. going to be a bad decision, we don't but it know was for sure, nice for sure. to know that it was. Right, right. And you know, and like, and like, you know, you guys, when you support the show and just keeping the list, I mean, you know, you enrich uh, not only like my life and Lindsay's life, but Joe's as well, where it's like, we've talked about, and I know you've you know been open about this, but you know, like, you know, like one of your, your kids, your awesome, uh, your, your son, you know, he, there's sometimes you have to leave for various like appointments and things. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been harder to do. And so by this job, you're able to like, you know, be more flexible with your family, which makes us feel good that we can be a little part of that. And then, you know, you're so helpful with this. And just and that it just fits. All that feels right with what time this community angle is just the support. What a, what a pleasant surprise! The support on the outside from the listeners, and then yeah. what we have. You know, I feel very grateful that uh, I guess us three in the dungeon have gotten right. well so well. I mean, gotten along so yeah. well. It 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 took zero seconds. Yeah, for us to look at each other and realize oh, it's gonna work out. And I mean, <laughs> and just the personalities, everything just worked yeah. so well. So I am thankful for that. On top of the listeners. And I think that it's it's nowhere but up for 2019. I mean, yeah, we got some more podcasts coming. We have some more 
equipment to grab. Right. Um, so you know, and keep that's improving. Just, yeah, keep improving and growing. And I know that people have, have uh, you know, been po- pointing stuff out in different okay. areas with YouTube. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be there mm-hmm. probably in the first... First couple months, we'll be pulling that trigger in 2019. Oh, and yeah. that's to upgrade this the studio equipment, absolutely. But if the support wasn't there, then we it would not happen. Yep. So it, that every time we make an improvement on what we're doing, right. it means that uh, you guys are doing your job and showing your support for TimeSuck. So, yeah. So, you know, really, 2019, it's like, it, it's this symbiotic relationship. Uh, the love you guys give us makes us take it that much more seriously and work that much harder. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thanks for accepting, Joe, even though with the micropene thing, I know that kind of spread out in the community and no one's really been too judgy about that. No, they've they've encouraged me uh, <laughs> to just keep putting it out there, even though what I'm putting out there is more in, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like a cereal bowl, like a belly button. Exactly. It's like, oh, you want to see it? And then it just is a cave. Yeah. But it's it's there. <laughs> And I know, and I know, and I know you may have to run. You can just leave a sticky note of what I need to do after you leave. Oh, I, 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 okay, yeah, whatever. We'll figure it out. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, okay. Joe Paisley popping in here for today's top five. I can't wait to be doing a weekly show with the Reverend Doctor Joe. Time suck. Top five takeaways. So, so you know, 2019 has been sucked now. Um, thank. Or wait, 2018. I got ahead of myself. Time traveled for a second. 2018 has been going to suck 2019. Thanks for making it the best, uh, you know, uh, year of my uh, professional life, Tr- truly. And, and actually, you know, because of the family business, being able to make it just rewarding in so many ways. Thanks for letting us, you know, be able to hire Joe. Uh, we love that dude. And, uh, and so many, you know, other people we work with, the entire team, you know, and we'll be able to, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, do, do just continue to, to give back to them down the road as well. It's just a win-win. So proud of it. Uh, over two years, every Monday, every Monday now, in the can. We're proud of that. Um, thanks for listening to a few uh, you know, more inspirational tales. And then, you know, we'll get to a more traditional episode next week. Big thanks for a great year to the Time Suck team. You know, uh, High Priestess of Suck, Harmony Camp. you know, she she took took charge to build that uh, culturally curious Facebook group. Her and Alex took charge to build the Discord group. That's where a lot of the community has been built. So kudos to Harmony, kudos to, to Alex. And and really for for pioneering that and it, and it's done wonders for the show and we, and you know I I certainly appreciate and notice uh, you know Jesse Guardian and Grammar Dobner is is there for me pulling a lot of late nights when I get in research last minute to look it over for all my fucked up word choices and grammar selections you know Reverend Doctor Joe, Joe Paisley for being so invested and working so hard at this uh, the guys at Bit Elixir for being uh, so good they're going to have some new customer service stuff soon on the app to to make um you know people who have problems make it. They can get to them even faster. Uh, Danger Brain for really keeping our merch on point and giving us like a brand identity, which is something a term I didn't even think about a year ago. Uh, you know, the Space Lizards and Merch Wizards Access Apparel. So proud of all the fun, goofy stuff in the store that you guys, you know, worked so hard uh, to come up with with Queen of the Suck, Lindsay, myself, and you know, you're doing so much more in 2019. Uh, huge thanks to all the researchers, uh, including this week's researchers, the Lily Twins, Reba and Sari, Hammers of Knowledge, for digging up that info on Nick and Bethany. Uh, if you haven't given the Facebook group uh, Discord a try, there's links in, in the episode description. Get in there. Uh, next week, a more traditional suck. The, the mysterious disappearance of D.B. Cooper. Uh, finally, D.B. Cooper won a Space Lizard vote on the afternoon of November 24th, 1971. Nondescript man calling himself Dan Cooper. Uh, you know, he, he approaches the counter of Northwest uh, Orient Airlines in Portland, Oregon, uses cash to buy a one-way ticket to Seattle, and uh, begins one of the greatest unsolved mysteries of FBI history. He's quiet, appeared to be in his mid-40s, 
wore a business suit with a black tie and a white shirt, ordered a drink, bourbon and soda, while the flight was waiting to take off. Short time after 3 p.m., hands a stewardess a note indicating that he had a bomb in his briefcase, wanted her to sit with him. She does what he's told, opens up his little cheap case, shows her a mass of wires, red-colored sticks, demands that she write down what he tells her. She goes up uh, to the to the cabin. The The pilots, you know, let the FBI know that he's demanded four parachutes and $200,000, $20 bills. And then, you know, he gets to Seattle. That's most people who get off the plane, keeps a few for some, some collateral and the pilots to, to fly. They, they go towards Mexico City. And then somewhere over Oregon, he just bounces. He just jumps out of that plane and he's never been seen again. What happened? We're going to dig into it to start off 2019. Uh, and time now for Time Sucker Updates. Updates. Get your Time Sucker Updates. Short and funny, a uh, little update, little insight coming in from Time Sucker Jana Moberg, who says, uh, do you think the alphabet murderer is kind of annoyed that he wasn't called the alliteration murderer? Well played. Well played. Uh, important thought-provoking update from an anonymous sucker who wrote, uh, the day I got someone killed, dear master mother sucker, this is intense, dear master mother sucker, if you by chance share this, please keep my name anonymous, done. I am filling my ear holes with some sweet, sucking knowledge, specifically the alphabet killer. You were talking about the whole idea of see something, say something, and I wanted to share an experience. I was driving to work one morning, past this dude carrying a sword. He was just walking down the street, bothering no one, but doing it, carrying a samurai sword. He also appeared to be a little dressed up and kind of looked like he was wearing some semi-formal samurai-style clothing. I know that the area I live in does allow, uh, you know, open carry of knives and guns, but given the time and circumstances, I thought it was a bit odd. I almost did nothing, but then I thought about my wife and kids. I admit that one reason I almost did nothing was this kid was black, and I did not want to be seen seen as being racist. Uh, in my mind, a black dude with a sword equals blade and a super badass. Oh, man, Wesley Snipes fucking crushed it. Uh, but also kind of out of place with where I was that day and time. Anyways. This guy was walking toward a shopping center, and although I did not think that my wife was shopping at the time, I did not know for sure. I thought about how horrible I would feel if this dude went to the stores in that area, started playing ninja, ran into my wife and kid, and how bad would I feel if I could have stopped the situation and didn't. Anyways, I did end up calling 911. The police responded. At some point while talking to the police, this guy apparently started to draw his sword on the officers, and the officers shot and killed him. Uh, on the one hand, I've been plagued with guilt over this young man losing his life. On the other hand, I am relieved that he was not able to hurt anyone. If he did indeed draw his sword on the cops, I have to believe that he was up to, uh, you know, something that was probably not a 100% altruistic. Anyway, since this happened, I tried talking about it, but was really surprised to find that many people were pissed at me uh, and pissed at the cops. I was predictably labeled a racist, which I'm not, and received several death threats. The moral of the story, I still believe in the see something, say something rule, but if you do say something, it may be best not to talk about it later. While see something, say something seems like common sense and probably is for upstanding citizens like myself and my fellow space lizards, not common sense for everyone. I am glad you brought this up. And I'm going to take what may be an unpopular stance, but I believe this wholeheartedly. Uh, when, when you choose to go out in society in a threatening manner with, with, your, with your body language, with a weapon, something like that, and, and then people come down on the police— uh, when they shoot, I, I know there's exceptions to what I'm saying, but in many cases, you brought that shit on yourself when you were being threatening. They can't they can't read your fucking mind. You walk into a store with a goddamn sword, start taking that out. How does anybody know you're not going to fucking go crazy and really start to hurt somebody? Uh, you don't want to get shot? Well, a good, a good way to not get shot is maybe, maybe not swing swords around. And I know there are other cases, 
when uh, the cops have overreacted and have and have shot somebody who clearly was not armed, was not a physical threat. But I think there's a lot of other cases when someone was being menacing and someone was being threatening and someone grossly violating laws and then they get hurt. And then somehow the cops are blamed. The, the, the social justice warriors who go hard on that. I would love to see how they would react if someone was coming towards them. What if someone put their hands on them? What if they didn't know if that person had a weapon? What if it was dark, you know, and and they had the means to defend themselves? Would they just like kind of hope for the best? But you expect some police officer who's putting himself in harm's way day after fucking day, literally putting their life on the line to be like, well, guess I hope don't I hope don't get shot. I don't want to look like an asshole. So I'll just, you know, give this person an opportunity to possibly, you know, take my fucking life. God, that shit fires me up. Again, exceptions to that, but people don't have any fucking common sense when it comes to that. So many people. It's like, oh yeah, real, it's, it's, it's like armchair quarterback syndrome. Real easy to say, oh, you should have done this or that when you weren't in an intense, possibly very violent situation. Ugh. Uh, I, I just think I just think that a few bad apples really do kind of spoil the bunch for for police officers. And I know a lot of people have had bad experiences and, and the experiences you've had with those officers. Yeah, those guys were being piece of shit. But I know a lot of other officers are really just trying to keep people safe. And, and if you really hate the cops, then you know what? I, I wish you could live in a world where there's no law enforcement whatsoever and see how you like that shit. Okay. Uh, so, and I'm going to step down from my soapbox. Uh, this, this next update says uh, the suck heals and saves. Uh, this is from an update from uh, Nyoka Eddington, who writes, Dear Great Master Sucker, as I listen to Time Suck, I hear others tell their stories about how your show has helped them. I just wanted to let you know how much Time Suck has helped me and literally saved my life. In March, I was diagnosed with Lemire syndrome. I don't know that one. Also known as the forgotten disease. Okay. Well, there you go. Because it's so rare. Uh, it was an infected blood clot in my jugular vein. Damn. That turned my entire body septic. Oh, shit. I was medically induced into a coma because I lost kidney function and my lungs were completely filled with infectious fluid. The last thing I remember was my doctor telling me I was very sick, but they were going to try and save me. On Easter Sunday, I woke up with, the, with two large chest tubes inserted into my lungs. I was encouraged to cough a lot to help push fluid out of my lungs. Unfortunately, it was very painful and doing so brought me to tears every single day. Laughter really was the best medicine because it helped me cough. So I would listen to your comedy station on Pandora to help me force me uh, to cough by laughing. That's when I found Time Suck. Uh, Being stuck to a hospital bed, uh, there wasn't that much to do, so I listened to the suck. Laughing every day as I caught up on old episodes. It was one of the most painful things I've ever endured, but I couldn't resist listening. And now I'm happily engaged. I'm getting married next August. I've recovered completely, and I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping make my recovery a little less painful and giving me so much knowledge in the process. Yours truly, Time Sucker Nyoka S. Eddington. P.S. I wish my middle initial was X, but my parents were lamos. Uh, well, you're not a lamo. You're not a lamo, and I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy your life has turned around. I'm so happy uh, you were able to get creative and find a way to deal with the pain. I feel like that kind of ties in to this week and last week. You know, good on you. Good on you. I hope, I hope I didn't fuck your name up too. Bad. I looked at some pronunciation places, but you never know. Uh, finally, a little bit of love. Last one coming in from Jonathan LaPlante. Who writes, hello, Master Sucker. First time writing in. Just finished all the podcasts and it makes me so sad. We'll become a space lizard sometime soon. I wanted to write in and just say thank you. My favorite comedian growing up was Robin Williams. After he passed, I really hadn't listened to much comedy. Starting a new job where I was able to wear headphones, I later realized Pandora has stand-up. Never heard of you before, but as soon as I heard your comedy, I was hooked. Heard of the podcast through Pandora and I'm so happy I did. My girlfriend and I listened to some episodes uh, when I got home from work. 
Hoping to go see you in May next year in Boston. I hope so too. I live in New Hampshire and I try telling everyone about this gem of a podcast. Thank you for everything. I have a new favorite comedian. Keep on sucking from a Time Suck fan for life. P.S. Chicken Joe is by far one of my favorite characters. Well, bok bok, playboy. Bok bok. And thank all of you. Thank all of you for sending your updates all year. Uh, thanks for the uh, thanks for the listens, and that's it for the, uh, this week's Time Sucker updates. Thanks, Time Suckers. I needed that. We all did. Thanks again for 2018, Time Suckers. Uh, recorded this a few weeks back. I had time to reflect by the time this comes out. I hope I can make you more proud. Hope I can make this bigger and better in 2019. I, I couldn't be more motivated to do so. Uh, don't treat anyone who is physically disabled as if they are mentally disabled uh, or, or less than in any way this week or any week or ever. And when the chips are down, find a new perspective. And uh, you turn that, you turn those lemons into some lemonade and you keep on sucking and you kick the fucking shit out of 2019. <laughs> What if I what if I started doing a new character where he just uh, just takes long water breaks during the show? Just <laughs> anyways, you guys. Sorry about. Hold on. Oh, why? Why is a lot of people have been complaining about the water? I'm just trying to stay hydrated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck.